Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello, and welcome to episode 100 of the Prepared X podcast. I couldn't spit that out there. So, but uh, I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's a feat getting to 100 uh, of these. So uh, welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Rob Burton, as usual. And before we get started, I want to let you know this. This episode is brought to you by First Look. First Look is a customized crisis simulation exercise service by PreparedX. We design it, you deliver it. See more details at preparedx.com slash first look. Well, today I'm joined by Brian Zawada, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Castellan Solutions. Uh, and he's going to be talking about all things uh, resiliency today. Uh, welcome, Brian. Thanks, Rob. Nice to be here. It's great to be here. And congratulations on episode number 100. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Uh, just before we jump in here, Brian, can you let our listeners know a little more about your career so far, please? Sure, sure. So I've um, I've been in the resilience space now for my, almost 30 years, and I, I, I kind of joined it very informally in the military. And when I left uh, the Air Force, I was able to uh, uh, join a technology risk practice, but got right involved in business continuity, disaster recovery, uh, operational resilience and have been doing it ever since. Um, I've done it in a mix of consulting, but in-house capacities as well. And so today, as you said, I'm the chief strategy officer for Castellan. So I have responsibility for things like our product strategy, as well as our services business. Great. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, well, in, in more recent uh, episodes, Brian, the first question I've been uh, asking our guests is, is the most challenging role so far in their career uh, and why. And uh, I'd like to pose that question to you as well. Champ, most challenging role, I would say, probably dates back to that, to the 2017, 2000, yeah, 2017 timeframe. And um, I had been involved in doing a lot of standards development work in addition to kind of the day job as um, in, in consulting and software. But, you know, as we were doing the standards work, it hit me and it hit a lot of my colleagues at the time that, you know, something was missing in our profession. And there was so much time and effort being spent on methodology, but yet there was a lot of organizations that were struggling with really gaining traction, gaining engagement, you know, really bringing focus to their resilience efforts. And so from that 2017, all the way to the 2019 timeframe, spent a lot of time trying to discover and engaging with clients and, and others around what's missing. And, and so it was um, incredibly challenging and gratifying to say, what's missing from leading practice and how do we get better as resilience professionals or as resilience programs. And, and that ultimately led to something that you know, we called um, the business continuity operating system. So it was challenging and gratifying, um, but it was, um, it was really fun to solve that problem. And I'm, I'm sure we can talk more about that as we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pre appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I noticed this, you know, on, on your uh, bio that was sent over with regards to, you know, all the work that you, you know, you're involved in. And, uh, you know, the, the, the big, you know, the big word for the last five, five or six years is resilience or resiliency as it relates to, you know, businesses. But uh, what does that mean to you? What does resilience management mean to you? 
Yeah, at, at Castellon, we we talk about resilience management, and that's really got two main ingredients. Um, one is readiness, and the other is response. And um, and when we talk about readiness, one of our areas of focus and engaging with with our clients is the idea that let's break down as many barriers amongst different disciplines that contribute to resilience as possible. Mm -hmm. That could be, gosh, you know, operational resilience, business continuity, disaster recovery, even parts of GRC, crisis yep. management, you name it, there's so many. And so how do we go ahead and not only prepare for disruption, but also try to prevent it in a, in a, you know, a measured manner. And so that's readiness. And then of course there's can't predict and you can't solve for everything. And so you better be very, very good in today's business world on how to respond to different forms of disruption, crises, incidents, whatever word you want to use. And so to me, resilience management, which is our positioning and, and kind of what we, we try to help influence so often is that bend, not break mentality, you know, mm. in organizations. And, and um, that's kind of, to me, that's what it's all about. Uh, great. Uh, there's been so many changes, um, Brian, in, in, in the industry. Uh, you know, I've been in, you know, similar to you, came from the military and have been helping organizations ever since. So 20 years now in the States, um, you know, with a variety of different, uh, you know, threats to their businesses. And as you know, we, we do a lot of scenario planning um, here at PreparedX. But, um, you know, in, in terms of technology, I assume that's one of the biggest things that has changed, uh, you know, certainly in, in your time uh, in, in this field. Um, would that be the case? And, um, you know, what what does what does that look like in terms of where we've come from and where we're heading? Yeah, I know absolutely. I think you're right. I mean, technology obviously changes in you know in terms of what's available to us to prepare um, the technology that our organizations leverage and have become very much dependent upon, which is even just accelerated in the pandemic. But I think there's also a number of other um, major changes over the past, call it five, ten plus years. Um, number one, I'd say that there's been a, you know, you think about the the genesis of what we do is oftentimes driven back in the day by compliance efforts. Mm -hmm. And today it's all about solving real business problems. We're getting, you know, you get constant engagement now with leadership, with boards of directors to, to really say, you know, it's, it's great that we meet, you know, standard X or regulatory requirement Y. But are we really ready? And to me, that, you know, that engagement at a higher level, solving real business problems, not just compliance. And I'm, you know, compliance is so important. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not arguing <laughs> otherwise. But, you know, that idea of solving business problems and really building capability. And that's that's big. I think also, if you really think back on words like business continuity and disaster recovery, um, again, very important. It was solving things like uh, making resilient activities and resources and, and other dependencies, but kind of down into the weeds. And today, I think we're seeing more and more resilience professionals and programs. They're, they're thinking top down. They're thinking about products and services or business services, depending on the, the language you want to use. And that's how they are engaging with leadership and having much more meaningful discussions that bring focus on what's what's most important to pr protect. So I think that's big too. And and maybe echoing something I already alluded to is when I when I mentioned readiness before. I think another is that it's not just about reacting to crises or disruptions. We want to try to prevent them. 
Mm-hmm. And of course you can't prevent everything just like you can't predict everything, but at the same time is looking for ways to solve, um, you know, uh, maybe as much as possible, eliminate single points of failure yep. or eliminate areas where you may not have a real good strategy on how to respond and recover. If certain, uh, certain aspects of your organization were to experience a disruption. And so, you know, I guess those are some of the big ones. Yes. Technology much more strategic prevent when possible. And then go, go back to that same thing I said before that bend, not break principle. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of, you know, some, some top threats, uh, some top scenarios that you're seeing um, having the biggest impacts on businesses and their ability to operate, you know, what would they be? What, what's the top two or three that, uh, that you're seeing right now? Well, let's see. I, I I hope there's nothing that I say right now that's surprising to anybody, but I'll see. <laughs> but you, you never know. You never know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But first and foremost, I, I mean, it, it's not an hour doesn't go by where we're not talking about the threat of cyber. I mean, it's there. Right. It's, you, know, you, you go back to technology enabled organizations and how, you know, the, the threat of a cyber attack overlays that and some of the unique challenges it introduces that are you know, quite a bit different from traditional disruptive threats. Um, that's number one. I mean, it, it's coming up all the time. I'd say probably a, a number two, again, not a surprise is all things uh, supply chain. Yeah. And, and, and in this case, it's not just worrying about where you're going to get a replacement or a substitute, but it's also engaging the business more in designing your supply chains to be more resilient going in going back all the way to R and D engineering um, product management mm-hmm. to say, Hey, let's talk about how to, you know, really architect sustainable supply chains into our, our go-to-market strategy. And so that goes back to that whole proactive or prevent side of things. So again, cyber one supply chain two, And I would say also, there's a number of other things, um, certainly people issues, and I'm not referring to absenteeism caused by the pandemic, but mm-hmm. I think different expectations that employees have in terms of their work environment, mm-hmm. a lot of, of older people leaving the workplace, um, a lot of knowledge that is um, leaving the workplace as a result of that. So, you know, some call it the great resignation. You know, there's many different ways to label yeah. it, but having the, the most qualified people um, occupying the most important positions with the right competence and knowledge. It's a huge, huge challenge. We've been talking about the aging workforce for 10, 15 years. Right. I think we're now seeing and now we're part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, now we're part of it too, but yeah, that's true. But it's, it's, it's interesting to see how it's all playing out and that that's a challenge, you know, it's knowledge management, but also, just getting that minimum staffing in place to be able to deliver on expectations. So that's number three. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really, I really like your comment there with regards to, you know, bringing all that, you know, that holistic group to the table. Uh, You mentioned supply chain there, R and D engineering, you know, those other uh, internal stakeholders that are, are, you know, a really important part of the conversation. And we, we certainly see that uh, in these cross-functional exercises that we run where, where we bring in, you know, all those different elements and and there's so much gained from, from bringing everyone to the table and running through a scenario and then, you know, really putting the, the meat on the, bone as it relates to again you know supply chain is one example yeah and i think you um this gets back to if the you know the 
as er, if you can bring resilience as early on in the your thinking in terms of product and service delivery, you're future proofing, you know, your organization for resilience as opposed to putting band-aids on after the fact. And so, you know, again, some of those stakeholders that you and I are just talking about right now, you know, R&D engineering, product management, they haven't been traditionally high on the, the stakeholder engagement list when it comes to resilience, but today they're absolutely essential. And if you don't engage them, you're going to be constantly chasing around and putting band-aids on, on things. And that's not efficient yeah, and yeah, certainly not yeah. effective. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I, in preparation for this uh, interview, Brian, I, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that uh, you're a wine grower. So that's pretty exciting. And um, so what's uh, the correlation between, you know, you know, being in the resiliency business and growing wine. I'd love to love to hear about your your thoughts on that. It turns out that there is a direct correlation. I will say <laughs> that. You know, it's funny. I, I think I did a, a presentation recently at a conference, and uh, and I used winemaking as a case study in resilience, and it actually led me to think about naming a future wine Resilience Red because um, it's the, you know I've been doing this now for about about three or four years now, and. The first year didn't count because I kind of walked into it in the middle of the the growing season and didn't really experience a lot of the challenges that, you know, that I've experienced in the last three years. But, you know, dating back, I, and by the way, I'm in Oregon and, and, and really took on, took on this, um, this, what at the time was a hobby and now is much more than that. But, you know, 2020, it was fires in Oregon. In yeah. 2021, it was the heat. In 2022, uh, it turns out that it's frost and doing a lot of damage. And when you think about some of the things you can't control, and all three of those are way outside of control, mm -hmm. having to build in, you know, grape sourcing as part of a resilience strategy. And, you know, we talk about geographic diversity all the time with business continuity. Well, let me tell you, it, it absolutely plays out here. Um, supply chain, let me tell you, that is yeah. a big one. Everything from corks to bottles to even those those metal caps that sit on top of a bottle the adhesive for labels the list goes on and on in terms of sourcing challenges and then you know just so happens you know get in the wine business at the beginning of a pandemic and you but thankfully I was early on but I've watched um, peers that have had to really think about changes to their business model you know restaurants obviously weren't as open in 2020 and even parts of 2021, they weren't selling wine as a result of that. And mm. so cha changing the way in which you reach the customer and you know the wine industry, its business model and its customer engagement strategy is radically different than it was three years ago. And so these are all things that led me to, you know, say I might have to, you know, slap a resilience red label on these things because it, <laughs> it, it's, the, it's, the, it's, a, it's a thing every single day. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a we have a client um, in in the business of uh, same thing. You know, wine, champagne, uh, certain liquors, and uh, and this conversation certainly comes up. And everything you mentioned there, from from supply chain to um, the different weather patterns in different regions of the world where they you know grow their grapes, and uh, um, yeah, you know, mass, massive uh, conversation at, at the highest level within within those organizations. So uh, you know, um, good good to hear that um, you know we, we've got a new wine on its way. <laughs> yes you do yes you do um so uh, as we start to you know wrap up here can you let the audience know a little bit more about what uh, castellon do and uh you know would love to hear about some of the products and services yeah absolutely so at, at castellon we have this yeah i'll call it the marketing tagline of now you're ready and i think that 
that encapsulates really what we do with our with our clients. And you know, we talked about defining resilience management. Well, that's that's exactly what we do as an organization. We help our our clients achieve the right level of resilience, and and that our solution set includes not only a software to be able to drive that, but also the services that complement that. And some of those services are just overall engagement and community. Uh, it involves um, doing project-related work. Um, and it also involves in, and we take on, you know, programs as a whole and even parts of programs in more of a managed service capacity. So it's really, uh, you know, it's it's centered on, again, helping organizations achieve the right level of resilience, that readiness and response and um, meeting the customer where they are and where they need to go when it comes to resilience. But, you know, software and services are, are core and foundational to that effort. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, as we start to wrap up here, you know, all things at PreparedX uh, come back to uh, exercises, as you as you are uh, you know, aware. Um, so in terms of, you know, we, we love to hear, our, uh, you know, those that we interview about their thoughts on running exercises and, and the importance of it. We'd love to hear, um, you know, your experience and uh, what you think about running exercises. Well, I'll start with the easiest of those those topics that you just raised, and that's importance. And I can't say that there's much, much that's more important than running exercises and simulations because to me, uh, and I, I'm going to say actually to our executive sponsors in our, in our, in our customer organizations, simulations and exercises make it real. It mm. makes it, it brings context to all the things that we do. And, um, and when you bring you know, whether it's an executive audience that might be managing, you know, being the, you know, the organization's more strategic crisis management team, you bring a, you know, a cybersecurity incident response team, you bring business continuity teams, you know, whatever part of the organization, disaster recovery exercises, make it real. You know, you apply that a scenario to make, you know, to try to replicate some of that stress and some of the feelings like you're in the moment of, of experiencing something really bad then being able to drive the organization to consider and leverage all the different strategies that they've identified and, and hopefully put in place and then look for the holes and, right. you know, you know, at the same time, hopefully building some confidence and competence that these are the people that are going to be able to help successfully navigate the organization through whatever, you know, challenges is in front of them. And so to me, it's, you know, some people look at it as a culmination of a lot of work, right? But um, to me, it's it's you know it's if you can the, you can never spend enough enough time doing exercises and simulations because that's where a huge amount of the learnings come from. And so I'm I'm obviously a big proponent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, coming from, you know, the military background that you have, and same for same for me as well, you know, we, we always seem to be on exercise, you know, 24 seven, but uh, when we went into battle for real or on operations, whatever it might be, you know, um, we were, you know, uh, vastly better off, um, you know, being prepared from from going through those experiences. Yeah, that confidence element so huge. I mean, if uh, you're absolutely right, I mean, you go through and you try to make as many mistakes or develop, you know, Get, you know, achieve as many learnings as possible through exercises so that, you know, you feel like you've done everything you possibly can when kind of real life, you know, strikes. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just a, a big fan and I'm also becoming more and more of a fan of 
solving some real in- entrenched problems, even building certain capabilities in more of an exercise simulation mm-hmm. context. Um, I did one, actually was had a session yesterday where I knew that one of the uh, major issues that we, that this customer had was they, they just weren't, they hadn't thought through communication strategically enough. Mm-hmm. And so it turned out we had a number of people missing from the exercise for a number of very good reasons, as it turned out. So we took the opportunity to say, you know what, instead of really getting into like full-blown role play and simulation, let's use this as an opportunity to really, you know, kick the tires, so to speak, on internal and external communications and where we have some gaps. Let's use this as an opportunity to on the fly, develop some of the messaging, talk about how we deliver it, so on and so forth. And I'll tell you what, it was some incredible outcomes. And I'm I'm highly confident that we built some repeatable efforts. And I know that I feel much, much better than I did 24 hours ago. And mm-hmm. I, know, I know that their C-suite does as well. Excellent. Uh, well, great, great way to uh, wrap up uh, episode uh, 100 there. Thank you, Brian, for your time today. Any final comments for our listeners? And uh, if they want to contact you, how can they uh, get a hold of you? No. And again, th- thanks, Rob, for having me. I really appreciate it. It was great being part of episode 100. And uh, yeah, the best way to reach me, um, certainly you can reach reach out via li- LinkedIn mm-hmm. or um, my email is brian.zawada at castellonbc.com. Uh, either way works and be happy to uh, to engage with uh, any of your listeners along the way. But again, I, you know, I, I, I really, you know, as from a kind of a key takeaway, you know, I know we talked about resilience management, readiness and response. I hope that resonated with a lot of people. I'm curious about feedback along the way too. So, uh, but, you know, ratcheting up the strategic na- nature of what we do, prevent, not just focus on response. I think these are executive expectations today. And uh, it's great to see our, our industry continue to evolve for the better. Excellent. Um, well, thank you again for your time today, Brian. I hope you have a you know, wonderful rest of your day. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the wine on the shelf soon. All right. Thanks so much, Rob. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay, that wraps up episode 100 of our podcast series. I encourage you to rate us on iTunes or the other, uh, what seems like hundreds of outlets nowadays uh, where you might be listening to us. Uh, leave a comment as well uh, on our podcast if you're listening uh, via our website. Uh, until next time. Have a safe and productive day. Thank you.